right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. Yes, we are back in 2023. We survived the offseason. We are here. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and we're ready for another NASCAR season, or we're getting ready, at least, and we're here to get you ready today. But first, Happy New Year to my co-host, Jordan. Jordan, how have you been? It's been so long since we did one of these together. I've missed you. I didn't get your Christmas present or Christmas card, though. Should I be offended? Well, you hate Christmas, first of all. So even if I did send out Christmas cards or presents, I wouldn't send one to you. But I still like to see it. Well, I, I don't, you know, we've never been, uh, I feel bad every year because, you know, around that time of year, you get tons of Christmas cards and holiday cards or whatever people are sending yeah, out. Silly. It's not silly. It's very thoughtful. And, and yeah. like, I especially like the ones where people like, you know, some people write like a handwritten note that takes yeah, Zach Elbert, by the way, amazing. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I guess I, I don't know if it's lazy or just, I, I've like never in my life sent out Christmas cards. Um, I, I, I should every year. My wife, Sarah, and I would go, oh, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we really should we really should do the Christmas cards this year. Like we're getting people are taking the time to send some to us. We yeah. should reciprocate and spread some cheer. But we don't. You should. So I, you can write, like, a nice like holiday, you. write like a right nice holiday note, you know, update people on what's going on with the Glucks in, in the past year. And but I didn't get a holiday card from you. I uh, no, I don't do holiday cards. I think they're stupid. I just think they're a waste of time. Like, Why I stupid? Just, I'd rather just send a text to somebody like it's I'm not going to take the time. Well, I didn't get one of those from you either. So I, I texted you multiple nice things over the break. You didn't give uh, no, no cheerful holiday wishes. I don't think. Oh, no, it's, it's fine. I always, you know, it's good. It's, it's just, I, the Christmas card thing drives me crazy. I don't check my mail. So I'm also somebody who only checks my mail like once every maybe month. Wow. And your so post, just, your, your, uh, your mailman, whoever mail carrier must love you because I don't get that, anything though. It's all crap. Like it's probably I, I, all piled up in there and the, the poor dude's trying to jam <laughs> it in there. And he's like, Oh man, why won't this guy check his mail? I don't get that much though. Like I really don't like, I don't ever get anything sent to me important and everything I do is just crap. And then I check it once every month or if I know something is coming, I'll, I'll go. And I had the nice thing is you can go on the, the postal service website and you can do, you can sign up for this thing where they scan your mail every day. So you know, what's coming. Yeah. So well, that's it's cool. still it's still physically in your box though. Yeah, well, you know that's... this is the one. It's just I finally just solved the the crime. This is almost the <laughs> one year anniversary of your apartment getting shot up with a drive by. <laughs> there was bullet holes when you weren't home. I yeah. think that it was the mail carrier. So frustrated that you never check your mail <laughs> every day. The poor person has to just come there and just be like, "Oh man, uh, this this is just a thorn in my side." Maybe that was why. Yeah. Could be. It was a year Mail ago. Rage. I think it was a year ago today. It actually happened a year ago. I think technically last night. Oh. And yeah, so it's all right. You know, it's all this good. I mean, why you're, in an un, you're in why you're in an undisclosed location, <laughs> not in your apartment today. <laughs> I've got a lot of uh, I got a lot of enemies, Jeff. A lot of enemies out there. It's not easy being a bad boy. Okay, a lot of enemies. A lot of Drake. Enemies. Drake said that too. <laughs> all right. Well, Your bodyguard. Uh, we don't want to create any more enemies for you today, but we are here to sort of preview what we think will be the biggest talking points, uh, the biggest conversation topics of 2023 in NASCAR land. Now, of course, uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we're trying to anticipate what we think people will be talking about one way or the other. Um, like, for instance, uh, safety is going to be a big topic one way or the other, right? We, we could just start with that because 
on the one hand, like, so NASCAR is making changes to the rear clips, you know, they're, they're the center sections, all that stuff. The, the teams are trying to build new cars as we speak. Um, but is that going to be enough to solve the concussion issue and all that stuff? Is that going to be enough by itself? We don't know if it is great because that means safety has improved. So safety will be a topic and that, Hey, uh, this was a fix and now people aren't as concerned about the next gen anymore and it's not a topic like it was last year. Or if it is still a topic and drivers still are getting hurt, uh, especially early in the season with a long season ahead of, okay, they already changed something. Now what are they going to do? Um, that's going to be a talking point as well. So we're not saying we don't know one way or the other, but we do know that people are going to be talking about it. Is that fair? It's very fair because this is arguably the number one topic of, of 2022. And echoing what you said, we don't know if this has been fixed. NASCAR is confident that it has addressed the problem. But until you have a real world scenario and drivers are crashing and, and, and feeling the impact, we don't know. And, and I'm curious to see as you kind of go through these first, I don't know, five, six races or so, and guys start having these incidents, what their comments are afterwards, how they're feeling, you know, two, three days after the fact. Because, you know, you go back a year ago and it was, you heard a lot of, man, I really felt that one. Oh man, that was a lot of, you know, I, I felt that a couple of days later, or even in the moment you heard on the radio, how many times did we hear, oh my God, that was a hard hit, right? Uh, let's, I'm curious to see what that reaction is. And if this isn't solved or to the level it needs to be solved, then what is the next fix? Because, and I don't know the answer to that question, because it seems like you've addressed the area of concern with the rear, you know, the rear clip and everything. And the crush pan, you know, making sure that there's more of an absorbent barrier there. But then what? <laughs> and how do you adjust this on the fly too, in the middle of the season? You know, because you know parts and pieces aren't readily available. Teams have said that they would, they could, they feel like they could fix it themselves. NASCAR has said that that's not a course of action that you want to go. But if this doesn't resolve itself, I, I don't know what recourse you have than other to say to the teams, you got to figure it out. You're on your own, which kind of negates some of the characteristics that the next gen is supposed to have yeah i mean that's it's fascinating right because what other levers can you pull exactly uh in, in a in a you know rapid fashion which you would need some sort of fix right and if you do like i guess you know they, they probably wouldn't wouldn't tell us uh but you know do you think there's further research already going on like okay like if this doesn't work, we already need to have redesigned this for next year or, or let's look at some stuff or, or is NASCAR so confident that it's going to work and fix the problem that they're like, nope, we're good. And you know, if, if something else comes up, then we'll start redesigning, uh, or, or designing further changes. Um, but that, that's going to take a long time. Yeah. And right? that's the problem so. is like, you can't, if you learned any lessons from 2022, it's that you have to be really not even just proactive, you almost have to be for, you know, like thinking, envisioning like worst case scenario, if this doesn't work, we need to have a backup plan in place because if you wait until there's a problem, it's too late and you can't fix it. So you have to have something almost, you almost have to have that backup plan plan in place now and saying, if this doesn't work, we need to break the glass here and, and pull the fire alarm and do, and go to this route. And you can't wait until there's a problem that actually develops. Cause then you just aren't going to have the time to, to test, to, to develop, test and, and implement. But, but it already seems like, I mean, you know, at this point, the teams are already behind based on what we see on like social media, you know, sure. 
putting together their cars, not having all the, the cars yet ready to assemble. Not having uh, enough people. That, that's true as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're very limited on, I guess what you could do. So, um, I guess everybody just will hope it works and, uh, hope that we don't have to talk about it constantly, but, uh, you know, it's the the driver's health and safety is the one, you know, they're the ones in the car. So I'm sure they will speak up and we will hear about it. Uh, you know, in the event, I mean, they're not gonna be able to hide it obviously. And, and, no. you know, it's not something where, you know, because you, you know, you heard Larson, uh, sort of as it got toward the fall last year saying, um, you know, we, we did what NASCAR said and we didn't talk about this publicly until, you know, June or whatever, it, you know, the first part of the year. And now it's gotten to a point where we have to talk about it, but, um, I don't think they'll give them as much leeway this time, even though they're having the meetings with them or they were regularly now. Um, and there's more of an open line of communication. Um, if a driver misses a race, you know, in the first couple of months because of a concussion and we're asking the other drivers about it, it's going to be a tough look. So I would be surprised. I don't think drivers are going to bite their tongues. I think they've been down this road once already and they, they are frustrated, but they're obviously frustrated. They were frustrated and they, they realize that they're going to, it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And to get change, you, you have to be that squeaky wheel. And I, I think we're going to know pretty quick about where they feel, how they feel about, about this issue. Well, another topic is going to be obviously um, the TV negotiations, the the new deal um, getting ready uh, for 2025. That will be the first year of the new deal, but uh, obviously they've got to get it uh, in place much sooner than that. And uh, this is the big year for the negotiations, um, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Obviously last year, the teams went public with their dissatisfaction about the current revenue sharing and what... Um, you know, they were being offered in terms of the slice of the pie. And, uh, so you know, that's been a little bit quiet. Um, but we don't know where that stands with the teams and NASCAR right now. Um, how is that going to look, you know, the whole thing about streaming and, um, things like that are, are, are races going to be, um, on services that you have to subscribe to in addition to your cable or whatever. So, um, and who's going to broadcast them? Who's going to pay the money? Is NASCAR going to get as much money or more money? Um, and, and what will that look like? Because that's a huge, the, the whole sport revolves around that. So that's going to be a major topic, uh, ongoing throughout the year. You would think, uh, it would be pretty surprising if that was just quietly buttoned up and everybody was just happy with, uh, <laughs> happy with what it was. No, no chance. Um, to me, this is honestly this is like one A or one B, depending on how you put safety in terms of the, the the biggest story of the 2024 season. And because this has far reaching implications many years down the road, um, any TV deal that NAS, next NASCAR's next TV deal is obviously going to be multi-year deal. Their last one they signed was 10 years. Do they go that route again? If you look at the current landscape, you know, five, six, seven years kind of is the trend right now in sports. And you don't want to lock yourself into a 10 year deal because things are changing so quick and you don't want to, you want to be flexible and be nimble. Um, it seems like there's going to be a streaming, a streaming component to this to some degree, whether that's an actual race or two. And I say race, I mean, cup series race on a streaming outlet and we'll see how, how will fans respond to that? Um, we've, we've seen it in IndyCar where, they put the what was it Jeff the the Toronto Grand Prix I believe on, on, on Peacock, Peacock, on Peacock. Mm-hmm. yeah you know could you follow that model and you look at the numbers and I don't believe those numbers have been released publicly but from the conversations I've had and I think you can say the same thing 
those the numbers haven't been weren't the best for that, right? So how do you if you go to a streaming model to any degree, there's a lot of questions. And talking to teams, um, teams some te- the bigger teams that I've talked to, they will tell you that we're okay. We we don't want to be on streaming because our partners, our sponsors are so used to being on TV, whether that's cable or network TV, right? Like whether it's a Chase Elliott Napa, like we know our car is going to be up front or we're going to get a lot of TV time, right? And we kind of package around that. You talk to other uh, teams of a smaller variety who don't necessarily run up front and they tell you like, hey, listen, we don't go to our television partners and, and guarantee that we're going to get a lot of TV time because that's just not something we can guarantee. So they're more open to a streaming model because it doesn't really negatively impact them anyway. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with this is the last TV contract with NASCAR, it was a record TV deal. And it was a record TV deal in part because of the uh, willingness to go to cable, right? Uh, you know, Fox Sport, Fox Sports 1 at the time, uh, NBC Sports and Network, Work, where they were getting those networks off the ground. They wanted NASCAR to be a base, and NASCAR was willing to do that for a big paycheck. That was fine at the time because that money helped get through through the pandemic and everything else, right? But looking back, it is shown that being on network TV is a huge thing, and there is a huge difference in ratings between being on network versus cable, regardless of the network you're on, a cable network you're on. Is NASCAR willing to, to take a big check to forego net, net, national network TV for cable again, or even a streaming service, because the money is going to be so great. That's going to be something to watch. Um, it, it, there's a lot of different tentacles to this. It's going to be fascinating to see. You know, you, you look at people who are who cover sports media more in depth than we do. They'll tell you that they believe that Fox Sports and NBC Sports, and this is from the Sports Business Journal, um, are, are their favorites right now. Or they they predict that those two are. But you hear uh, my ears to the ground on these things, and I hear a lot of different opportunities. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. And the other thing about this that I think is really interesting is if you go to a a streaming package to any degree, let's say it's an Amazon or an Apple, because those are the two names you hear a lot of. How do you grow your sport? Right, a lot of sports or a lot of coverage is you know, you want to catch the casual observer's eye when you're flipping channels or anything like that. Well, you can't just flip to Amazon. It's not an easy thing to do. You kind of lock in on something on one of the streaming services and that's that, right? You don't you don't switch around. How do you capture a casual fan who's sitting at home on a Sunday afternoon and flipping channels saying, "Oh, I'm bored, but I'm going to flip on, oh, what's this NASCAR race thing?" right? How do you how do you grow your sport beyond your core audience when you start to limit the accessibility for your sport? Yeah, I mean, you 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 brought up a few points there that I definitely want to try to touch on. Um, so number one, the 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 model of okay, we want our sponsors to be on TV um, and not streaming, and, and will that hurt us? To me, if that is an issue, and I could see why it would be, you know, you're you're saying, hey, give me you know twenty million dollars a year, whatever, um, and you know I'm going to get you a lot of TV time, and you're going to be you know seen by millions of people. And so, you know, I, I want you to pay this amount. Well, if NASCAR is willing to, you know, give more a piece of the pie and, and they get more money from streaming, just as they did by saying, okay, we, you know, we're willing to put stuff on NBCSN, which now doesn't even exist anymore. And FS1, because those, you know, they really wanted to grow those sports networks, the companies. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll get more money, but we'll get less ratings, uh, and, and less eyeballs for the, for the sport. Um, you know, well, maybe they could offset that by saying, okay, we'll give you more money so you don't have to ask for as much in sponsorship. 
you know, like, sure. yes, your, your sponsor is not going to be seen by as many people. And in fact, it will be a dramatic cut probably, but you don't have to get X amount per race anymore because we're going to give you more. And the, so overall the health of the sport, and that, that's what the teams ultimately have been asking for anyway. Right. So that would that be a, a concession the teams are willing to make like, Hey, you know what? We're fine. Go ahead. Do, do more streaming. Uh, we can, we can, you know, sort of redo our model because now we're going to be getting so much more guaranteed revenue that we don't need, um, to ask for as much. Obviously they're always going to want to ask for much because more because, uh, you know, they could always use more money on whatever, but to just survive, they're not going to need that. So, um, if, if they got more, if they got more money, a bigger piece of the pie. Um, the other part of it is, you know, is network really proven to, you know, get more ratings. I mean, look, look at, um, you know, IndyCar, right? Like IndyCar had, I mean, maybe more races on, on NBC this year than NASCAR did. IndyCar had a lot of race on network and, and they still had big struggles at times to pull the ratings. So it doesn't guarantee that, you know, you're going to have more eyeballs now, you know, would it be more eyeballs, um, than a streaming service? Of course, no doubt. Would it be more eyeballs than USA network? I mean, I, I, I would think so. Um, to me though, like when you come to the, your point about like the flipping channels and stuff like that, yes, I mean, everybody has the channel guides now on their various services that they use, but I, and maybe I'm, I don't, I don't know what demographic I, I fit into, but I don't really flip or scroll anymore. Like when I turn on the TV, I'm not being like, Oh, what's on. I'm kind of going with a purpose. Like I saw on social media that. Monday night football is about to start or people are talking about some game in the fourth quarter of some NBA game. So I'll be like, Oh, you know what? I'll turn that on. Um, you sit through commercials. Do I sit through commercials? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I don't, I, I am a chronic flipper. Like as soon as something goes to commercial, I am, I am on to the next thing. And then I come back in, you know, a two minutes or whatever. Really? No, I, yeah, I am a I chronic. I hate commercials. I don't really care what else is on. Oh, like, I, I'm, I'm going there got- for a specific oh. purpose to watch something. And if, oh. if otherwise I'm not going to watch TV, like I won't even turn on TV on or one of my kids will be using it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to keep up with like a live event, um, or something like that. Or, or it's just not even, it's mm. just like not on, I, I don't put it on the background or flip through. I'm not, it's, it's not a, it's not a cure for boredom for me. So, um, I guess, you know, everybody's different, but I guess for me, like the only way you, it's just the same argument with like the race for the championship thing on USA last year. Like the, the reason Netflix drive to survive worked is because that was being highlighted on Netflix. When people opened their Netflix to go, whatever it was right there, right in front of them, especially that captured a lot of people during the pandemic. When we were in lockdown, it was a phenomenon that helped formula one. That doesn't mean just because you have a show like that, that you can replicate it, uh, replicate that, that same thing. And you know, when NASCAR had their show on and, you know, I'm, I know you're a part of it, so I'm not asking you to weigh in on it, but no, you know, it's to, fine. to, to have that time slot, I mean, I think it was harder for people to watch. And then you say, 100%. well, it's on Peacock as well. And I think, you know, IndyCar, you know, their, their show, they're going to have a show this year. I don't know if you guys heard that it was announced a lead up to the, it's called 100 days to Indy or something like that. And, um, you know, that show is going to be on the CW, um, which oh. again is, it's, you know, that is a network, um, it that is. people have over the air, but. I, I can't really tell it's you the last time I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> so really the only, the only flippers I think you're going to, I think you would catch 
would be on like the major network stuff. Cause you're always gonna have people going, okay, what's on ABC, NBC, CBS. And maybe you get that a little bit with ESPN, but once you get past that, I, I think the, the audience is so fractured. And so, I mean, personally, I wouldn't find it, but it sounds like you would though. You, you do yeah, scroll. Like, so I, I'm, I'm a flipper. I've always been, I've got multiple TVs. I, I, if one goes to commercial, I, I mute that one and I flip it to something else that's not a commercial and then I'm paying attention there and it's all sports, right? I'm constantly watching sports and I just, I just can't sit through commercial breaks. I can't do it. And I, maybe I'm alone in this. I, I don't know. Um, I, we'll see. I, I do think that to, to go back to your point about IndyCar and, and um, network network TV, if you look at the NASCAR numbers, there is a distinct difference between them being on Fox and uh, NBC and what those ratings generate versus USA and, and Fox Sports One. So no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see. I I, I think this is this is why I think this is going to be such a huge storyline, though, is because this the the I don't say fallout because I don't think that's the right the word, but like the domino effect from this for the next honestly five six years is is is, is this is long term implications on a multitude of levels. What would you do if you're NASCAR? Uh, you're you're looking at the. Wow. Of course, we don't know what the offers are, but what, yeah, what would be your, your philosophy? What would you favor? What would be your priorities? I, it's a really, it's a really great question. And I think you can make a case for a lot of different things. I think at the end of the day, I think I would, there's two things I would do. One, I would favor network TV because it is proven to be a difference. And, and I, you're right. Like you can maybe change the business model with this and with teams and sponsors and everything, but I've been, we feel like we've been down that road before and it's just, it hasn't really shifted to a big degree yet. Um, so I'm leery of, of kind of that false promise of, oh, if we, if we take a big contract, we can, we can redo the TV model or the business model for teams. Eh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, so I would take a network deal. Also, I would do what I can to get back on ESPN. And I say that because if you look at the NHL, the NHL has had a, it was re, had remarkable coverage when it was on NBC, right? But since it has gone to ESPN, they've had record ratings. Um, there is there is the ESPN bump. You're on SportsCenter more. You're featured more um, on their website and, and other tangible things. And their coverage and their audience has grown because of that. So those are probably my two priorities: is one getting on network TV and, and finding out some way to carve out some kind of relationship with ESPN where they're carrying our races. It's so interesting because. I just feel like, I mean, we're around the same age, you know, demographic wise, but I have a completely different philosophy. Like I used to religiously <laughs> watch ESPN, you know, when I was in my twenties and college stuff, I mean, sports center every sure. night, you know, the whole show on repeat, everything like, and I had ESPN on all the time. I never, ever turn on ESPN now, unless it's for a live sporting event. I, I don't watch. I'm the same way though. Yeah. I, so what does it matter way, if you're on Sports Center? Because it, you, I, I don't look at this from what I, for me, like I, 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 you know, I look at it from a growth standpoint of like how do you capture people? And there are people out there, the numbers bear it out, who just flip on ESPN. I mean, it's it, I, I look at it like this: I walk into any sports bar in the country, and what do they just have on, regardless of what the programming is? Right? It's ESPN. Like it could be a talking head show. They're going to have ESPN on and sometimes a game will flip on or whatever. And like, you've got an opportunity just to capture a more casual, broader audience that way by lining yourself with ESPN. So I, I see this is, I, I think I would go, um, you know, I, I've criticized Brian France a lot, but I think probably the best thing he did was get this guaranteed money. Sure. Um, by 
taking sort of less eyeballs in exchange for more money, which has stabilized the industry, even in a time when the popularity or the viewership has declined. Uh, now it seems to have stabilized a bit, but you know, it was really in decline there for a while. And yet all it did was give them more money every year because the TV deal had that built in. Um, when you look at this, it's, it's, you know, this is the beginning of 2023. Now streaming is already becoming a thing. This deal will start in 2025. Streaming will be even more of a thing then. And when you're talking about making a deal that goes five, six years or more, you would think streaming would be increasingly accepted and popular and, and something that people use and is just a mainstream part of life. So I would take whatever the money I can get to stabilize the industry and make everybody happier um, for the health of the sport. I would do that. People will adjust. Uh, you know, are, are the old school fans going to like it? No, but they haven't even liked, they didn't even like when, when it moved from ABC or, uh, you know, to ESPN, you know, they'd say, Oh, the race isn't on ABC today. And these ESPN p- people are putting it on their networks. I mean, remember that like b- before this, this latest deal, um, they would get mad at ESPN when they, when they didn't have it on the over the air type stuff. So, um, you know, there's always people who are not going to have cable and stuff and it's going to get harder with streaming, but that's, I think that's where the world is going. And so, um, you know, you better, you know, I think take the money, take what's guaranteed and go that way. But it'll be, it'd be fascinating to see what NASCAR decides. So I, I respect your viewpoint. And I will say, I don't think you're necessarily wrong there. There's, there's, there's a lot of truth in what you said. And I, I think you can make a case for either side. Well, we've already spent um, 25 minutes talking about two different <laughs> topics. Fun. So we'll, I missed we'll this, Jeff. I missed <laughs> yeah. the podcast. We got a lot to talk about. This is good. Uh, we got eight more, eight more to touch on here. Not all of them are obviously as meaty as the first two, but uh, um, another, another one we wanted to, uh, <laughs> to touch on is, is the, the topic of parody because obviously, uh, it was sort of last year was just this year of, of so many different winners and, and so much, I mean, just spread throughout the field. Uh, it's, it was fascinating to watch and, Again, we don't know whether that will be the case this year, but either way, it will be a talking point because if there's, again, you know, 16 winners or it's looking like that to, um, you know, make the playoffs and it's it's all about winning races, uh, that will be a talking point. And if it goes the opposite direction and it's like, oh, look, Hendrick and Gibbs and people like that are dominating again, they're hogging all the wins and it's sort of reverted to what we knew before the next gen car, that will be a talking point as well. So either way it goes, uh, people will be talking about that and it'll be fascinating to see. I mean, even as soon as last season ended, I was already looking forward to like, what is this season going to bring? Like (laughs) who, who is going to be, you know, who are going to be the top teams who are going to be coming out of the gate strong? Are we going to see, you know, a a driver win five races in a year and be the champion? Are we going to see, you know, somebody get close to double digit wins again? What's that going to look like? We don't know. But it's going to be one of the most fun things to talk about and watch, especially in the first couple months of the year. I'm curious to see how this shakes out. I've had a lot of conversations with people in the garage about this. Of Teams now physically have these cars in-house. If you go back a year ago, these cars were still being developed. The rules package hadn't been finalized. The teams really didn't have any opportunities to kind of explore these cars, right? This offseason, they have. And from the conversation I've had with people, there are people who tell me, Listen, the bigger teams just inherently have an advantage because they've got more people, they've got more brain power. They are going to find little, little 
things with this car that they can do differently that's going to give them a little bit of advantage, which therefore is going to widen that gap a little bit between the haves and the have-nots. There are other people who have said that, listen, this car is what the car is, and you can only do so much, and it's basically plug and play. And it doesn't matter that these teams have the car because they can't do anything to the car. And one crew chief, one crew, crew chief told me, he goes, listen, could a, could a bigger team do something to this car? Yeah, but it's going to cost them $100,000 because they're going to get fined and their crew chief's going to be sit out for four or five weeks. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I look at it now in parity. You go back to 2022, you had 19 different winners. Um, and that didn't include Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr., two guys who finished the regular season very high in points and were consistently two of the best drivers. Ryan Blaney had more stage wins and more top five finishes. Uh, he had more more stage wins than anyone else, more top five finishes than his teammate Joy Logano, who won the championship. And Martin Truex Jr. should have probably won four races last year, but didn't for various reasons. So you look at all that and you're thinking, man, I, I could see 20 winners, right? I could make a case. Um, and I look at what colleague is doing and AJ Allmendinger running full time this year. And I think Justin Haley is going to be one of those guys. And I think that's going to be one of our next topics here. I think he's going to be one of those guys who takes a leap this year. And I, I think Brad Keselowski is going to be better in year two at his new team. Um, so I could very well see a case where we have 19 ish winners, if not more. So I'm, let's see how this plays out. I, I don't know. And is, could one of the bigger teams take a step back Um, you know, could RCR move forward with Kyle Busch? There are a lot of unknowns, and it makes it fascinating because we don't know what to expect. Don't you think, though, that just uh, by even you know the the changes that they made to the rear of the cars, even though those might not be you know sort of a major aero type thing, you know, it's not like redesigning the nose or something like that necessarily, but just I mean that that's but the noses have been redesigned too. Let's not forget that. Yes, but what I'm saying is just a small thing like that. No matter how, mm -hmm. I guess my point was, no matter how big it is, just even the smallest tweak to a car, somebody's going to figure it out sooner than everybody else because everything has been so close. These cars are so close. It's still being, you know, it's still all the same stuff. So you might think that you caught something in the off season. You might think, oh, I found this on this car. And then even some little tweak could have changed it. Uh, and it's going to give somebody an advantage early on and other people are going to have to play catch up. And then, so that would spark sort of the parody again, maybe not to the same degree that we saw at the start of last year, but in some cases, somebody's going to figure it out. Right. So that, that will be a, a topic to watch. I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see. And, and I think when you're looking at this, I, you, you have to think that a bigger team is going to really hit on because again, it goes back to the number of people they have behind the scenes working on this thing that one of those bigger teams is going to hit on something. And at least uh, to your point, Jeff, for that first month or two, they're going to kind of assert themselves and everyone else is going to be playing catch up. But then again, it's going to be that elevator up and down throughout the year. They're, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I also wouldn't be surprised if a bigger team hits on something and that carries them through a good chunk of the year. So another topic is going to be silly season. Uh, the driver movement uh, and all that stuff was a huge topic last year, obviously with, um, Kyle Busch leaving Joe Gibbs racing, uh, a year ago, sitting here, there's no way we would have predicted he, he would go to Richard Childress racing. Absolutely not. Zero. And, um, you know, similarly two years ago at this time, we would have not thought that Brad Kozlowski would leave Penske to start, uh, to be a co-owner at, at RFK. Um, so there could be some surprises in store. Um, 
I don't know what those would be necessarily, but, uh, you know, there's some big names who are either coming up at the end of their contract or have been hinting at retirement, you know, like a, a Kevin Harvick or Martin Truex Jr. Um, maybe this will be a quieter silly season, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like every year you get these big ones. You even go back a couple of years. You had Bubba Wallace, right? Michael Jordan starting a race team. I mean, just you, it seems like every year you get one of these giant, you know, dry, you know, driver silly season moves. And you look at the landscape of where it is, right? Denny Hamlin's in a contract year with Joe Gibbs racing. And I know at first blush, you say, well, Denny Hamlin's a Joe Gibbs lifer and he is happy there. He wants to stay there. He has said that Joe Gibbs racing is very happy with Denny. They want to keep him right. Both sides want to keep this marriage together and it doesn't have the underlying factors that the Kyle Busch free agency saga had a year ago. All of that said, you just have to acknowledge, like we're saying a lot of the same stuff about Denny Hamlin, Joe Gibbs racing that we were saying about Kyle Busch a year ago. Kyle's never going to leave. He's a Joe Gibbs lifer. He's been there forever, right? All of this stuff. A lot of the stuff is sponsorship driven. And it, it so it, the, the door is open. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I, I don't even think it will happen. But the door is at least open that Denny Hamlin could end up somewhere else. Until Penn meets paper and he has a new contract extension, you just have to keep that in mind. And then to your other two points, Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. are two huge dominoes because they drive for two huge teams. If Martin Truex Jr. decides to, to retire, who replaces him at Joe Gibbs Racing? They don't have anybody in that pipeline right now. Maybe it's John Hernemichek if he has a monster year in the Xfinity Series. I know Toyota's high on him. But there's not one that stud prospect that they usually have that you're just kind of knocking on the door saying, okay, he's ready for cup. If Truex leaves, what does JGR do to replace him? And the same applies at Kevin Harvick and Stuart Haas Racing. Kevin Harvick is the franchise over at Stuart Haas Racing. He has carried the banner for that organization since he entered that door in 2014. He's a guy that more often than not, you know, is going to win races and contend for a championship. He leaves. Who takes over that? Who fills that void at, Kevin, at, at SHR? Is it a Chase Briscoe who we're high on, but still a young driver? Like they, they, they would have to do something there to either just say, how do you feel that that thing? And they can go in a lot of different directions, and we'll see. And the other one they mentioned, just because he doesn't have a contract right now, is Alex Bowman. His three teammates, Kyle Larson, William Byron, and Chase Elliott, have all recently signed contract extensions. Alex Bowman has not. Um, what he does, and again, it goes back to what I just said about the other two. If for whatever reason Alex Bowman leaves Hendrick Motorsports, all of a sudden you've got a plum ride at an organization where you can win championships. Who fills that seat? All good questions, and uh, it is interesting because you also look at how the Xfinity Series has changed now um, with the lack of uh, cup drivers um, being able to participate as much. It's really highlighted the young talent in the Xfinity Series, allowed those guys to win chunks of races, and we see the last few years now, probably three years in a row, the top Xfinity drivers have all been moving up. Um, you know, taking these chunks of wins out of that series. And, you know, when you look at stuff like that, you go, well, I don't really know there's tremendous prospects right now. And then somebody comes along and, and shows, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, you know, but, um, there's sort of been a, a run on that young talent moving up. Um, and so what, it, what is left there? If you are a Stuart Haas, like you said, what, you know, do you just hope that Cole Custer sort of you know, rejuvenates his career, then you can slide him back up. But again, that's not a, a Harvick replacement. If you want a Harvick replacement, in some ways you've sort of missed out on 
the guys that you potentially could have gotten. You know, they they passed on Larson. That, and that bites that that's got to hurt that I mean that's a guy that you have Kyle Larson that changes everything and I think that's going to be something that they're going to I mean Tony Stewart regrets it now he said it and uh you know in theory look they I mean clearly they they had an opportunity to get Kyle Bush he was available yeah so um if you really wanted to you you could have at least gone after Larson uh if you had the resources or or whatever to offer um Kyle Bush which I guess they they felt like they didn't um, or what, for whatever reason, uh, you could have gone after him. So, uh, now Reddick, you know, he would have been up, but Denny Hamlin smartly had read the tea leaves of, you know, free agency, um, over a year out and secured him. Now he didn't know he was going to go this early to, you know, have to have that Kurt Bush replacement, but, um, he's, he's off the market now and he would have been a, a big prospect to, for somebody to try to get. So, what do you, yeah. Who's that marquee big name? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if, if you lose a Harvick, if, if Truex retires, um, yeah, Hamlin, I mean, you know, you, you'd think you would want to do everything you can to keep him. But like you said, I guess we, we haven't really seen, um, I don't know. It, it would be a pretty massive change for him to, I agree. But I, and again, I don't think he's going to leave. Like, I mean, it's just all of the tea leaves point to him staying with JGR for a lot of reasons, but you just, I think you have to have that, that caveat of you never thought Kyle Bush was going to leave Joe Gibbs racing. And yeah. here we are. So it's just, you just have to acknowledge it to some degree. Well, speaking of Kyle Bush, another one of the talking points this year will be uh, how he will do at RCR all year long. People are going to be talking about his first year there, uh, is he winning? Is he not winning? Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with what kind of start they get off to. I mean, if they get off to a hot start there and people are like, wow, look at this. He's rejuvenated. He's refreshed. He's won a race early in the year. Uh, things are really connecting for him there in a way that wasn't happening at JGR. Uh, he's going to have some, some momentum uh, and feel good about things. If they got off to a slow start, people are going to be like, whoa man, he, he changed teams and he went to a car that, that was a winning car last year with Reddick and looked good. And, and what's going on there? Like they're not, and running how does well. he handle that too, by the way? Yeah, that's going to be a big, a big point. So, um, and then, you know, that could change throughout the summer as well. I mean, if he, if they, if they get off to slow start, but figure it out, then, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be something we're talking about all year. We don't know which way it's going to go. I don't feel but, like there's going to be any middle yeah. though. Like, I feel like it's going to be either really good and I can tell you why I can make a lot of cases. I can make a strong case of why it's going to be really good. I can also tell you why it's going to be really bad. I just don't feel like there's going to be any middle ground whatsoever. I want to put you on the spot. Can I put you on the spot? Let's do it. Give me a prediction on Kyle Busch, good or bad this year. Number of wins. Is it kind of season that he's happy with? How, how does this go? I think he ends up uh, running better than he did um, his last couple years at JGR. I think he wins, um, you know, two, three races. I think he's, he's sort of, uh, gets back to a little, we see some flashes of the Kyle Bush that we've been accustomed to. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, be the dominant driver of the year in his first year with a team, especially going to a team that, you know, maybe we don't think has quite as many resources as JGR has. RCR is certainly a, a strong team with a lot of resources, but, um, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to win eight races in the title, but I think, I think he will be, he's still in his prime age wise 
Um, he's got a big distraction out of the way now that was sort of hanging over him last year. He's got a fresh start, and I think he will use that to uh, to have a better season. What do you think? I think that is a good prediction. I think two wins and kind of a, a good year, kind of a bounce back in some ways. I think Kyle being a, I think he's going to be excited and energized. He's kind of, you know, fresh start. He's going to be out to prove people wrong. I think this is going to be a good environment for him. I think if they can weather kind of the, the, the bumps along the road, especially early in the year, as they figure this out, I think they're going to be okay. My, my only question in all this is, is an RCR question is that that's, that is an organization that, consistently year to year has never been able for a long time, been able to ban a, a, a contender. They had a very, very good year. I don't think people realize how great RCR was last year. Reddick won three races, could have won six, maybe Jeff, five, six. Dylan was competitive. Can they do that again? If they've got the same speed in their race cars, then I think Kyle Busch is going to have a really, really good year. But the question is, is whether they can or not. And that we don't know, but I think your prediction of two, three wins and him having a, a good solid year and kind of having, you know, kind of establishing, reestablishing himself is a, is a safe one. Well, um, along the lines of what we were just talking about uh, earlier, um, and again, this isn't any particular order, but just sort of sticking with sort of the theme from one to another here, JGR. Now, um, you know, Kyle Busch has left JGR now. Um, you know, Ty Gibbs is stepping into that role. He is obviously... Uh, an exceptional talent, but you know, you would think there'd be some sort of continued learning going full-time in the cup series. I mean, he was pretty much, he was running full-time at the end of last year, uh, doing double duty, but you'd still think having your own team now and stepping into, you know, that ride and, and that situation, uh, is going to be something. Um, and of course, you know, JGR is sort of at another crossroads here. I mean, the, the, absolute tragedy of, of Coy Gibbs, um, and, and stunning the way that happened, um, on championship race day last year at Phoenix, uh, his loss. Um, I mean, he was a key executive there. Um, now, you know, both of Joe Gibbs sons who were sort of destined to run the team, um, are not around. Uh, where does that leave JGR? I mean, they're, they're probably going to have to bring in some other people, you know, maybe from outside the organization to, um, step into roles, you know, to help them, you know, just, just keep operating and keep getting sponsorship, keep running the team. Uh, you know, where do they go from here? I think that's going to be something that people are talking about. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, how it's come to be, but it's still, I mean, that's one of NASCAR's major teams and, you know, legacy teams at this point and, and what, what goes on with them? I, I don't, I don't know. I, but I think either way people will be talking about JGR. I agree with everything you said. It's, it's the kind of the underlying unfortunate circumstance of, of Coy Gibbs passing is that there is no clear cut succession plan right now at Joe Gibbs racing. And what happens to the future of that team? We've seen other organizations, Hendrick Motorsports, um, RFK kind of position themselves and and kind of appoint a successor, if you will. Um, we don't know that right now with, with Joe Gibbs Racing and how how do they get through this? Denny Hamlin talked about in Nashville about you know doing some behind the scenes reorganization a little bit, and we'll see how that plays out. It, it sounds like you know if you're you it would expect that Joe Gibbs Racing is going to have to bring in somebody or maybe a couple people to kind of you know help guide things through. They've they've got some really key people right now. Dave Elpern is really really good. 
Um, I would expect to see him probably take a bigger, you know, role in the organization of the team because he's going to have to. Um, some people are going to have to step up. It's how you position this team going forward is is a big thing because this team seemed to be in good in in good shape, and then unfortunately with the tragic events, there's now a giant question mark about its future and its longevity. And maybe they have a plan in place and we don't know about, but I, I haven't heard anything definitive one way or another. Well, it's going to be. I mean. Yeah, I, I just uh, you you need Joe Gibbs. I think NASCAR needs Joe Gibbs Racing to be strong Absolutely. and healthy. And I think uh, it's, it's important. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you look. You're going to have a lot of teams. You're always going to have sort of like that that mid tier who sort of rises and falls. But as long as like a Hendrick is around and a Penske is around, and those are powerhouse teams, you need other powerhouse teams who are going to challenge those to prevent one say from completely running away with it because you know, if there's one thing NASCAR fans generally dislike, it's one driver dominating or one team dominating and going, Oh, you know, I tune in every week and I invest my three and a half hours or whatever it is. And I see, Oh, look, Hendrick won again or Gibbs won again. And I'm tired of that. Um, I think people liked it last year when it was spread throughout and you didn't know who was going to win on a week to week basis. So, um, hopefully, Joe Gibbs racing will continue to stay strong and healthy and, um, you know, keep going and, and be able to, to be competitive as, as we know they can be. Um, another topic, uh, you know, and, and the next three here will, will sort of all go together. Um, first of all, the all-star race being at North Wilkesboro, people are going to be talking about that, uh, up to the all-star race for sure in May and, uh, be very excited about North Wilkesboro coming back onto the schedule. Uh, you know, either way, you know, I think, you know, they, they end up not changing the short track package or doing something specific for it. Um, so at least in a major way, there's, I guess maybe some small tweaks, but, uh, you know, that, that could be a, a talking point in itself, right? Like if you've, if they've, uh, seen how, oh, okay, it's not looking better on short tracks. How's, is North Wilkesboro even going to be a good race? Um, what's the facility going to be? What's the traffic? You know, you're going to see no matter what, probably complaints about traffic or. Yeah, there's no way around that. That There is there is no way around. The tra- you are going to have traffic issues. And they are already trying to kind of get the messaging out of like, listen, <laughs> this is kind of a made for TV event. <laughs> so if you're coming here, because there's not a lot of tickets available, if you're coming here, be prepared to to wait, to, to be stuck in traffic. And, you know, the kind of the, the comparison I was made, like they're going to kind of treat this like a golf tournament, like how they shuttle people in and out and where people are parking and a lot of buses and those kind of things. It's, this isn't going to be a traditional NASCAR race where you've got a bunch of tailgating and people can show, you know, show up and have fun. You know, this, it is not easy to get in there. And I've spent a lot of time at North Wilkesboro lately. It is a chore. And that is going to be, I, I think that at, I hope it doesn't overshadow what this event is going to be because I think this event is going to be special, but there is a concern of like, this could be another Kentucky to some degree. Yeah. And, and on the racing side of it, you would think you would hope that that is the headline, right? Like, wow, they pulled this off. Unbelievable, magical night there. Um, you know, just, just to see the, the stands absolutely fill. I mean, the energy there is going to be, be exceptional. Huge. People are going to be absolutely jacked up for the race. Um, it's going to be old school and fun and you would hope it's a, a majorly successful event. And that's what people are talking about. Um, 
but we do know that either way, people are going to be talking about it. I mean, drivers are going to be getting asked about this from Daytona 500 media day all the way up to the day before the race. What's it going to be like? How's it going to be? What do you think it's going to, you know, what are your thoughts on it? Um, and you know, whatever happens there, will they'll probably get asked about it afterwards. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the future is for that, for that track after. I mean, will it become a mainstay? Will it become sort of just a, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, it was sort of a, the enthusiasm was there once, you know, will it, can it, can they replicate that? Um, because there was a reason it fell off the schedule in the first place. Fan uh, support wasn't there. So yeah, it'll, that'll be a, a big talking point as will the Chicago street race, um, coming up this summer. I mean, first, uh, cup series street race. How is NASCAR going to pull that off? What's that atmosphere going to be like? What's that racing going to be like? Um, that's going to be does, a huge deal. I mean, if that is a success, then what does that mean for the future and, and going into other markets where there isn't a traditional quote unquote racetrack, either it's a, a road course or an oval, all of a sudden that opens up the playbook of, Hey, we can run downtown in major metropolitan areas. Hello, Denver, Jeff, you may have a race in your backyard. I'd like that. That'd be, that'd be a dream for me. My home track my- now is, is, is Kansas. Speedway, which is uh, about eight and a half hour drive from Denver. So poor people here in Denver, uh, in the Rocky mountain region. Um, we got nothing. We got nothing. You know, uh, Kyle Larson, you know, sometimes even living out here, I don't realize how big these States are. Kyle Larson is doing some late model racing in New Mexico this week, this weekend, instead of, uh, doing the chili bowl. Right. Uh, because the chili bowl, you know, they don't pay enough. It's insulting. $10,000 $10,000 to win after there's like million dollar sprint car races now. So bell and Larson are, are skipping it. Uh, which by the way, I agree with their reasons for doing so. But I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I could just drive down new, new Mexico's right below Colorado. I could just drive down there. Uh, maybe check out a, a Kyle Larson. <laughs> it's a 10 and a half hour drive. I believe. Oh, um, yeah. if I put it, it's at all the way at the bottom of New Mexico, almost to the border. Um, I mean, it's a long way. Like, you know, it's just only one state away, but like, yeah. So we got nothing around just here. Just realize that the West is pretty spread out. It's just huge. I mean, you just you don't just realize this. Like it just doesn't hit home sometimes. Cause you're just like, Oh, New Mexico. I could just drive down there. Mm, I might as well drive to Kansas. You know, have you looked at a map before? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, Yes, and it's still it still still just blows me away. That's all. <laughs> Can we go uh, back to North Wilkesboro really quick? Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, no, um, if any listener out there has a helicopter and they'd be willing to like borrow it to me, I we can we talk DM me. My DMs are open because speaking of oh, traffic, please I, you get there. You get that you're one of the earliest. You get there way but, earlier than I do. You, I don't disagree. I'm, I understand. Like I know what you're gonna say. Like I get there early. Yes, but I am. It is going to be the traffic is. I think is going to be a nightmare getting there. You're almost, you know, so if anyone has a, has a helicopter that could borrow me and like just fly me in, I would much appreciate it. All right. Well, I'm sure drivers will be choppering that day. Uh, yeah, I have to be. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a mess. Well, they might just park their motorhomes. That would probably be the that best would thing. Right. Should we get a motorhome? Should I, get, should I spend the weekend in the motorhome? That's what we should do. We should rent a motorhome. Let's we do don't it. have to worry about hotels. And Why don't you do that? Why don't you come out here? We'll get a, a nice big motorhome. My parents have a really nice one. We could borrow it from them. Oh, well, that's, that's a game changer right there. We can borrow theirs. Are you sure? Did you ask them permission? Oh, they, they don't care. They don't, whatever. They don't care? No. Who who would drive it? Oh, I'm not driving that damn thing. So I would drive your parents' motorhome. At They'll risk drive, of- I'll, I will have them drive it up here because they live in Florida. 
Uh, they'll drive it up here. They'll let us borrow it. They'll probably actually set it up for us and everything too, because God knows I can't do it. This is this seems to be like a, a fantasy, just like feeding everybody at Daytona, all our listeners. That was a good idea. The logistics just didn't work out. I'm sorry. Well, there's still time. There's a month away from Daytona. Have you not come up with your plan yet? No, to- I looked at it because you looked at it too. The schedule that week is not favorable because we've got cars on the track basically Wednesday, you know, based qualifying and between qualifying the duels and everything else, like every every night is chewed up and plus other work responsibilities. Unless you're getting to Daytona, like, and then there's Super Bowl in there too. Like, it, it's just not, it, I don't know what night to do it. I know. So unless I you're in Daytona. I looked at the schedule and I was like, dang it, like this, I mean. It's a great idea. Wednesday night, qualifying. Yeah. Thursday night, duels. Friday night, truck race. Saturday, kind of late-ish afternoon, I believe, Xfinity. Mm-hmm. So when do you. Yeah. yeah. And then Tuesday, it. we've got work stuff. Monday and Tuesday, we've got work obligations. Well, I don't even fly in there till Tuesday, I think. So, yeah. Okay. Well, some of us have work obligations. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah Motorhome. I'll work on this. Come up with a different plan to have our pasta party or, or whatever. You know, for, I don't know. We'll, we'll get with the listeners at some point someday. Uh, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> we talked about Chicago and North Wilkesboro as two of our items that leads into the future schedule in general. You know, obviously NASCAR has been very innovative with the schedule lately. I mean, the clash going back to the Coliseum for the second year, they've been adding road courses. They've been adding unique events. Um, you know, Nashville is still out there. I don't know what the timeline for that would be, but cool. you know, there's, there's, there's more events, there's more possibilities, you know, they're, they're still going to continue to try to make a splash to try to put some new stuff on and, and make it interesting every year. I would think so, that will be a talking point, right? Like as those things come out or as these, those things are revealed throughout the year, uh, what's the schedule going to be? What, what are some changes? Will some tracks come back? I mean, I thought it was interesting that, uh, super motocross, the now combined series with their playoffs and stuff, they're going to be using Chicagoland speedway, which we thought was sort of potentially left for dead left for warehouse. They're going to, I mean, at least for, for that, uh, one of their playoff races, they're going to be reopening that using the grandstands uh, looks like from the track map using the infield. So that track will come back to life at least temporarily. Could that mean something for NASCAR? I don't know what, you know, what the long-term future is there, but you know, stuff like that, right? Like we don't know, but either way, the schedule will be once again, a talking point as it always is. Yeah. I mean, there's just been surprise after surprise, Bristol dirt, LA Coliseum. I mean, Chicago street course, North Wilkesboro, it just seems every year for the last few years, there has been notable changes to schedule. Steve Phelps is very adamant. He told The Athletic uh, in November, like, we, it is important for NASCAR to have these new, a, a, a big new marquee event, at least one a year, because it increases ticket sales and people are excited enough for the, 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 TV, the TV rating scope as well. So it's just, it's such a boon to, to, to what NASCAR is trying to do in its growth. You know, does that mean you're going to race in Canada or Mexico or maybe something overseas? Possibly. I mean, New York City is is something that NASCAR is working towards uh, um, on multiple fronts. Could that come to fruition in, in 2020, you know, four? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've learned never to say never because I never thought they'd be back at North Wilkesboro again. <laughs> um, I, I didn't think they'd be racing in Chicago, downtown Chicago. And here we are. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But what 
I think is is important to note is like there is definitely a push of, of willing to take these big swings and you know I, I kind of joked around with you about having a race in your backyard Jeff but that's not that unrealistic right I mean it's definitely this street course thing works in Chicago it, it's very realistic of Denver somewhere in the Pacific Northwest um, you they know NASCAR really wants to get into Mexico. People have told me about Brazil and how that's kind of their their next frontier. Um, there's some good races up in you know tracks up in Canada um, with this next gen car, and you know it's it's kind of a you know assembly kit car if you will to some degree. Why couldn't you ship the cars overseas and and have them put together overseas and have a race over there somewhere? Um, the Coliseum is is returning for this year but there's no guarantees it's going to be back next year i've been told and i think you've kind of had the the same conversations is that this could be an event that you could see rotating around in different ideas and to to some degree so i'm curious to see nascar has kind of made some big bold statements about what they're they're expect out of the schedule in 24 i'm curious to see how they go about backing it up yeah i mean i think that's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch um almost like, you know, to, to have a time capsule or something. I mean, five years ago, all the new developments that have come along. Oh my God. It's, it's um, crazy. I mean, even, even, you know, Coda, I think yeah. five years ago, you would have been like, well, okay, Na- I mean, you know. let's throw Nashville super speedway on there. Right. Like mm-hmm. we, you and I were the first one. We kind of broke that story. Like when that, we got word about that. I was like, well, I'm sorry. They're going to where in Nashville, not the short track. They're going to the super speedway. That was a, a rental, you know, is basically being used as a storage facility. Like, I mean, it's just like, it's just so weird. Like how things, and I'm talking to the folks at Rockingham tomorrow for a story I'm doing on the athletic and they've got, I don't, I don't want to say it's not realistic, but they've got hopes that they saw what happened at North Wilkesboro. Like, Hey, why can't that be us? Right. And like, they just so, repaved. They use they, their they, government money to repave. Yeah. Like, that you know, I'm not saying I just you don't know, and that I think that's a good thing. Is like it's really cool that you need these marquee, you need marquee events, you need your your building, your benchmarks, your your Southern 500s, Daytona 500s, the Coke 600s, Bristol's, whatever. But I think it is the, the the schedule is so robust that you have an opportunity to kind of get weird with it and, and be different to some degree, and that's a that's a good thing. And there's still room too to I think have some flexibility like. Um, you know, we've seen one of the Texas races go away. I think you could, you know, thank God (laughs) you could look at a place, you know, like, like a Kansas and go, well, yeah, do they need to and and stuff like that. So Richmond, uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I think you could still make an argument for, I mean, Darlington seemed fine with one race for a while. I, Uh, I wouldn't disagree. So I, you know, that, that could be an easy one. I guess Atlanta's probably, Stuck with two for a while now that it's a super speedway or whatever. And they've but. just poured a bunch of money into there, so it's hard yeah. to kind of justify. But you're right. I mean, Richmond, Kansas, I don't disagree about Darlington. That's three right there, you know? Yeah. Why not? And and they're they're obviously not shy to take one off the schedule, too. I mean, they, they add Road America on, and it's like, oh, this is going to be like the new July 4th tradition or whatever. And then they <laughs> say, okay, actually, we need that day for Chicago. So, I mean, they're they're – just because something comes on the schedule doesn't mean it's going to stay on the schedule either. Yeah. So that's, and that's fine. Um, I mean, obviously people liked road America and it seemed like a good crowd. So I'm not saying road America specifically, but just in general, like they're willing to shake it up. And I think that keeps it fresh. 
Well, uh, I believe we've talked about nine different topics. We talked about safety. We talked about the TV deal, um, you know, different winners slash parody. We talked about silly season. We talked about Kyle Busch RCR, JGR's future, Chicago, North Wilkesboro, the future schedule. Um, now we'll leave this one to what they're going to be talking about is a surprise we don't see coming. Uh, Trackhouse for me, obviously, was that last year. Didn't think think that obviously Trackhouse was going to have the kind of year that they did. Um, you know, Ross Chastain making the final four and finishing second in points, um, and both drivers winning races, making the playoffs. Uh, I didn't think they would be have either driver in the playoffs. So. Bottom line is, uh, you know, is Trackhouse going to be the next surprise? Like they continue doing stuff, or is it going to be another Trackhouse? Jimmy Johnson, is he going to make you know Petty GMS uh, help make them into more of a contender? Is Colleg going to do something with Almondinger? Um, who knows? Who knows where these surprises could come from? That's that's why it's a surprise. We don't know, but one thing we know is that there probably will be one, and we will be talking about it throughout the season. All I know is that whoever you label your expected disappointment for 2023 is the team that I think is going to do really big things in 2023. Hey, you said Alex Bowman. Yeah, would... I was right. You were Keep not up. right. I was. He... Look at what I said. I said he was going to win a race. I said he was not going to win four races. I said he, so in 2021, he won four races. And I said in 2022, he is not going to have that similar type of performance. He's probably going to win a race but he's not going to win four races. Well, what did Alex Bowman do? He won a race and did not win four races. Thank you. He, he was knocked out of the playoff. He was in the playoffs in contention still he when he was knocked. He was still in the round and he had already advanced to the next round. He was in the second round of the playoffs when he was knocked out of the playoffs. So who knows what could have happened? All of he, Alex Bowman's teammates last year won multiple races. Alex Bowman did not. Alex Bowman had a horrific stretch of like 14 races of i don't think he finished in the top didn't lead a lap is what it was their performance last year by any measure was not good they struggled and, and, and you're, you, drive, you still think he was the biggest disappointment of last year i would yeah i would say when you measure his performance against what his teammates did and, and then here's the thing about that because i wrote about this in athletic and people are like oh martin Truex jr martin Truex jr finished top five in the regular season point standing like he, I mean, he had a look at his numbers, look at laps led, top everything. Like he had a good year. Like he didn't win a race. No argument there. Should have won a race. He coughed up three, four wins. By the way, Bowman's win in Las Vegas came because of a, a late caution that he needed. And he just wasn't good. Like, and when you have you have a, a Chase Elliott who runs away at the regular season, and you've got a teammate Kyle Larson who won three races. Alex Bowman or, or William Byron won twice. Alex Bowman has to match come close to matching that performance of his teammates. He has not done that. goes back to something we said earlier about he's a free agent this year. If I'm Hendrick, and I understand that the sponsors and everything like him, and Alex is a great guy, and he's a good fit there, but you have to have a driver who like matches that performance of your teammates. He hasn't done that more years than not. So to put you on the spot for the surprise we <laughs> didn't see coming, um, now obviously if you make a pick, that means you – probably did see it coming uh, if it turns out to be true. Sure. Um, but what do you think will be sort of what everybody is buzzing about? Uh, what, what team or driver we would like, wow, that was a real breakout season for them. Didn't anticipate that. Um, man, super impressive. Like they're a powerhouse now. They're, they're a force to be reckoned with. What will be that team or driver in your mind? 
I'm going to give you two, and then I'm going to give you my definitive answer. And two to keep an eye on, Eric Jones and that number 43 team at, at, at Petty GMS. They had a really good year last year. You don't win the Southern 500 on a fluke. And they beat the field at the Southern 500 to, to, to win that race. They had a lot of good races last year outside of that. Jones is a tremendous talent. If we're just talking about talent, he's as good as it is behind the wheel. He seems like he's a good fit there. I wouldn't be surprised if they get another win or two this year and they make the playoffs. I am curious to see how Brad Keselowski does at RFK Racing in year two. They did get better in the playoffs last year. They had their moments. Um, can they make that big step that we kind of thought they were going to take at times last year? Brad is a championship caliber driver. He can win races. Can they build that team around him? So I'm curious to see. I wouldn't be shocked if either of those guys have uh, kind of breakout years, Jones and Keselowski. My pick, though – and it's kind of a broad pick, is Colleague Racing. I think Colleague Racing with A.J. Allmendinger, I think that he's going to win a road course race at least one, if not multiple, and I think he's going to make the playoffs this year. I think Justin Haley is going to have a breakout year. You look at his numbers last year, finished third at Texas, had a lot of really good runs that you just don't look at, stays out of trouble on the racetrack, doesn't put himself in bad situations, gets the most out of his equipment. If that organization can continue to find its legs in its second full season – I think one, if not both, colleague cars could be in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that would be uh, that would be qualifying as a surprise where everybody going, "Wow, uh, didn't I didn't think that they would be that good or or whatever." Um, you know, I would think that to me, like a Keselowski wouldn't really qualify as a surprise as much because he's Keselowski. Even Reddick having like a breakout year, um, you know, going to twenty three eleven, people would be like, "Well, you know, that kind of makes sense to me." I'm, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. Uh, in the same way as like a track house. So um, I think some of the surprises, you know, I, maybe you could qualify, even though he won a race, um, you know, Chris Busher, if he had like a big year, people would be like, wow, that's, that's kind of surprising. Like he's really a contender now. Like we have to take him seriously. He's, he's winning more. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but that, that could be one, um, you know, another one and, and it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, I, I'm not sure it would qualify quite the same way, but I'm wondering if Christopher Bell can have like a monster season. He really gained a lot of confidence by winning those sure. two elimination races, which kind of got overshadowed by like the hail melon and stuff like that. Um, and to make the final four, um, you know, I think it, he's going to have a huge year. He really could. He, he I, really I, I could. think he's good. I think he's going to win four or five. I think he's going to elevate himself into that larson elliott conversation of like the best driver i think i am so high on him this year i'd buy stock exactly and but, but so that's what i'm saying though like if he ends up winning you know five races and you go wow christopher bell is really a contender now that that could be something that people he's still a little bit off the radar even though he made the final four people could be like well sure. he was gonna get eliminated he won two races somehow but you know matched his career total um so i i you know we'll see we'll see can i throw another name at you really quick sure I think Bubba. I think Bubba has got the potential. But if, is that something we didn't see? I mean, you saw the flashes of that, though. Yeah, I don't know. But is this a, if, I guess it depends on what you're constituted a surprise. But if he wins three races and, and kind of makes a, a playoff push, is that a surprise? I, I don't know. But I, I just think that he's going to be somebody that, that maybe could surprisingly enter the conversation as a consistent threat to win races. I, I don't know. Yeah, no. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. I think his Kansas form in particular showed like – Okay, like this guy, you know, if he puts it together, he can win 
consistently. It's, it's so. not just that. I mean, Kansas was great. Don't get me wrong, but like he was finishing well in road courses, which is not a place he, you know, he runs well at. Like he was starting to string together these races where you know finishing in the top ten, qualifying well, not making mistakes. I, I, I think twenty three eleven. I, there, the potential is there for 23-11 to have a monster year. And, of course, uh, to close things out here, it is NASCAR's 75th anniversary season, so uh, I'm sure people will be talking about that all year long. We're already working on a project related to that um, that we're excited about to tell you guys. Uh, we'll tell you guys more about it shortly in the next few weeks here, but um, it's already in the works and, and, uh, we're, we're pumped about that. And that will be something that is celebrated all year and talked about all year, not our project, but NASCAR 75th. So, um, project is really cool. I am so excited by this. It is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to it's see and awesome. talk about, and talk about people's reactions. I can't to wait it. for the conversation. We're going to have to have a podcast episode just devoted to the, the, the list. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, we are, Wrapping this one up for now. We're happy to be back with you guys. Um, happy to be back for another year here at the Athletic, and uh, it's going to be a big year. We are also hiring a couple F1 staffers, uh, ramping up our F1 coverage um, in a big way. So um, we're we're in the process. Those those job ads have been out there now, so they're in the process of getting a team together for that. And uh, we're going to be doing uh, a lot of F1 stuff with those guys. So, um, you know, more reason to subscribe to the athletic. And of course, if you're interested in becoming a subscriber, um, you know, please go to the athletic.com slash tear down and you should see the latest deal there. And we'll always be uh, happy to have you on board. Gotten some great feedback from people who got the black Friday deal or got it as a holiday gift. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen them in our mentions of people saying how, how pumped they are. People have gone back and like read our stories that they missed or things like that. And, and they're very excited about that. So Jordan, good to be back with you. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll come up with another theme for next week's podcast, but I guess we'll be going every week here now. Right. I look forward to it. Yeah. My favorite, uh, couple hours of the week chat with you on our podcast. And, uh, you know, already less than a month now till the clash. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. So things are going to come up here. Quickly, I, we, yeah. we've, we've officially gone from off season to preseason. Yep. We are in that mode. We're in that mode. So everybody uh, keep checking your podcast feeds for more episodes. Thanks for joining us on this one. And we will talk to you next time on the teardown.